Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome to Kid Missing Radio. I'm your host, Angelina Wilson. Today's, in today's show, we're going to talk about the disappearance, <coughs> excuse me, from the Chicago area of April Rose Zane. Matter of fact, she disappeared from Frankfurt, Illinois. Um, I want to give you the phone number to the police in case you have any information. It's one. Eight one five four six nine four nine three five. Um, I think it's nine four three five. I could be wrong. Oh, I apologize. Um, that voice you just heard was April's little sister by ten years. <laughs> um, Sharon Rose. Um, and she's here to talk about her sister's disappearance and what she remembers, even though she was very young. She disappeared on April 18th, 1976, and she may have been hitchhiking to her friend's house, correct? Because she wanted to go back to Chicago well, and um, out there. Well, this is how it, 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 it started. We had moved from Roseland, Chicago. Um, Roseland is a community in Chicago. Um, in 1971, she was 11, and I was a year old. And uh, we moved out to Royal Frankfurt, and there were no buses, cabs, nothing. And back in the 70s, everybody knows that coming to ride was a way of getting around. Um, mm-hmm. Not only that, we had a life pass to ride on the L train anytime we wanted to, as our father worked for the um, IC Railroad. So anybody in the family could use that pass and go on any train we wanted for free. So that was pretty cool. Um but all of the people that grew up with her, they all moved to different outlying areas around Roseland and, you know, like Mount Greenwood, wherever. And uh, she missed her friends. It was a big climate jump if you move from the city to a country, you know, uh, like a country-formed uh, neighborhood where there's nothing but cornfields. It's a, it's a pretty big shock, you know? Yeah. So, you know... Um, she made a few friends in Frankfurt, and um, but she still kept in contact with the old gang that she used to run around with. And, uh, you know, if you got caught out past curfew in Chicago, you know, and you didn't live there, and the cops couldn't leave, you know, because usually they'd have the courtesy of driving you home, whatever, um, you know, you were considered runaway if you were out past curfew, especially if you came from a, a suburban area. So... That's what usually happened, and our dad would have to get up, and he'd have to go get her, and it, it just was monotonous because she lost track of time. A lot of teenagers do. When you are out having fun with your friends, how many people are looking at that clock? Not too many. Um, no. And she she wasn't a troublemaking kind of kid, not at all. And um, the day uh, that she disappeared, we had gone over to see our grandmother out in Riverdale, um, we dropped off in Easter Lily. Uh, in the meantime, my mom was at the house getting ready for my dad's birthday party, which fell on Easter, and a lot of his railroad buddies showed up with their wives, the regular crew that my dad ran around with and my mom ran around with. Um, they all showed up, and she, April, was going to go up to see her friend Sandy to go get her, and uh, Sandy couldn't come because it was Easter, so she understood that. April stepped out for a minute, and she told my mom she would be back, and we were like three blocks away from Lincoln Highway, and we never saw her again. 
Um, and I, I can't even describe to you in words what went through my parents' head. You know, panic. <laughs> panic terror. They thought, well, maybe she she wound up over at her friends in Chicago. They were waiting for a phone call. Um, they immediately had called the police and told them she didn't come home that night. But with her past history, they said, don't worry, we'll find her. Which that's how Frankfurt Police Department was. Everybody that's how they all were. That neighborhood. Yeah, they all were. But what was cool about our our town is I knew. Every police officer, every kid knew that the police officers were there to protect us. We had them come to our school to let us know what safety tips were. Everybody has that. But what was really cool in our neighborhood is I grew up with a lot of the kids whose dads and moms, you know, either worked for the police department or were police officers. So we all knew who they were. Mm-hmm. And they, they were always around. And it wasn't like, oh, God, the cops are always around. It was, hey, you know what, the police are around. That's really cool. We're safe. That's how we grew up, you know. And yeah. That's the way it should be now, but it's unfortunately not. Um, that's how we grew officers... up, too. Pardon me? I said that's how we grew up, too. Yeah, and it's it's changed so drastically now. It's like you got to have, like, 50 locks on your doors. And uh, who wants to live mm-hmm. like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, there was an unidentified young lady in Kansas. Now, they compared her to your sister? Did they compare DNA? Yes. Um, we have uh, dental records, and we also have uh, DNA. And that's what prompted it. Um, when our parents passed away, you know, um, I wasn't in time for my dad, but I was in time there for my mom. And I promised her I would continue to look for April and bring her home. And that's when I let go. That's a deathbed promise, and I intend to keep it. Um, so I started going through the missing persons logs of all these people, and I'm, like, looking and looking. I said, you know, i got to get her on the national database. And I worked with them for a long time, and there was one particular gentleman. His name was Richard, and you couldn't imagine the help and the support I got from that gentleman. Um, he made sure that I got hooked up with the... Um, for police, and at that time, Detective Dowding was handling the case. He was very compassionate, very kind, understanding, and did whatever he could to make sure that I had my DNA put on file for, you know, to compare it to anybody that came through the system or who they already have in the system um, so they could have an easy identification. Um, we, I had to do that through the Hammond Police Department. That's where I live, and I was the first one in their history to have a DNA taken out, you know, taken so they could do this, and it was really awesome of them to do that for me. Um, later on, I had to ask my son, my oldest son, Ray. Um, he gave a sample of DNA, and a male cousin from my dad's side of the family also gave a sample, and that came from Wisconsin. All those samples go to one database. They match them up, and they put them on file. And, How come you know, they needed obviously, one Well, just because my brother is not here, um, they wanted a, a male sample. My brother and my father had been cremated. My mom wasn't. Well, they have mine because April and I share the same mother, and we had nothing for my dad or my brother. So with the DNA samplings, they can pretty much figure out, you know, they can, 
they can pick and choose where you're stronger at, you know, the X and the Ys, whatever. They can narrow it down to to uh, science to where they know it's an exact match. That's why oh, we had okay. to ask. It, it, it's just so technical, but I learned so much from it. And, uh, you know, and then we also, like I said, we have the Federal Records on file. My dad had, when I was a kid, um, when they found a Jane Doe, I believe it was on I-80 and Route 30. I'm not too sure about that. Um, it might be... I-55, I don't remember. They found this young lady, and they compared her dentals and, you know, to April's, and it wasn't her. But it was the same face that my dad always had. His face just sunk, and he's like, God, maybe this is her. And his heart, you, you could just see his heart just sink in his chest. But he tried not to show, you know, how bad he really felt. And he'd go out, and he'd drop it off. And within a little while, he knew for a fact it wasn't her. So that still gave them hope. Yeah. And that's what they they went on, you know. Um, We talked a little bit off the air about the case of Nancy O'Sullivan, and I know there are several other missing people from the area. Without burying anybody, I mean, aside from Drew Peterson, because let's face it, he doesn't deserve the honor of the word officer. Um, no, he doesn't. Any uh, officer in the area would agree with that. Well, um, if you ever heard the term Wilton Chief's clothing, he's a narcissist. Yep. He did exactly. It's like, where do you hide from the cops if you're wanted by them? You, you move upstairs. It's a joke. You know, you move upstairs from them, and they won't find you. you know, it's like, well, what do you do when you want to be a, a murderer that can get away with it and get any victim you want? You become a cop. Because they don't look to you, because they automatically assume you didn't do it. No, most of the narcissists and serial killers are very highly intelligent people who can pass anything. Yep. But there was a case named O'Sullivan. Two years later, you said you knew her? No. uh, The Nancy O'Sullivan case, what I did was I did a lot of investigation on it. Because what I... What I look for when I'm looking for missing persons that might resemble my sister is exactly it. What do you got? Irish background? There you go. She's got an Irish map just like April. Same age, same hair color, not exactly the same hairstyle, but, you know, a lot of people who know anything about, you know, criminology or do any studies on people who are serial killers or rapists, any kind of violent behavior like this, they have a certain type. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, it's kind of like, and I'm not saying anything. Um, the other other cases, like in Will County, I look at, like the oldest one is uh, Molly Zelko. She was a reporter, and they she was, you know, clicking in on the mob, and she said that she was going against these, these bad people, and if you didn't find me, you, you will find my shoes if they got me. Well, she kicked off her shoes, so obviously they got her. They never found her. Um with uh, Stacy Peterson, I look at her. Well, right before that or after, I'm not too sure. Lisa Steibeck, who didn't look too far away from her, who pretty much resembles Stacy, she disappeared. But because of who Stacy's husband was, that that case overshadowed Lisa Steibeck. Still, she's not fine. Right. Could they be uh, connected? Probably, because I don't believe Drew Peterson waited to get a badge on his chest to victimize anybody. I don't even know where he's from. But usually they don't stop at one or two or three. They just continue to go ahead because it's like a thrill, and they're getting away with it. 
Mm-hmm. It's like robbing a bank. Yeah, they don't usually just rob one. Huh? Adrenaline rush. They don't usually rob just one. Right. You get some money, you said, wow, that was easier than I thought. And then the next thing you know, they're out there robbing it a, a different one, and they get some more, and then they just get greedy. Well, that's what these kinds yeah. of people do. They get mm-hmm. greedy. You know, mm-hmm. like some people, like you got a baseball player. What's a baseball player's dream? He wants to be the best baseball player in the world with the best batting hits, batting averages, Mm-hmm. knockouts, everything, strikeouts he could get. Well, that's what these people do. They want to get as many as they can and see how far they can get away with it. Right. And you're right, Nancy O'Sullivan is very similar to your sister. Um, the whole story is that's why she, I had moved, they were... she had moved from Homewood, which was a really nice area. In fact, my I have family that lives out there, and... Uh, it was just really nice, you know, Flossmore, Homewood area. And they moved from there to South Holland. And according to the story, three younger kids, younger teens, had seen her get into a Cadillac, and she left her purse behind. They never found her again. She got into a car and left. It's kind of like our story here. We moved from Chicago to Frankfurt. God knows that she got into a car, probably dead. Boom, gone. Yeah. Now, back then, they didn't have, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, back then, they didn't have the technology that they do now. And it, it's it's like what I always say, and, you, you know, it's like my quote. It's like we have so many John and Jane Doe's that are never claimed. But we have so many missing kids and missing adults, grown men. You know, a lot of grown men are missing. You know, yeah. where are they going? Where are they? Why can't they be found? Yeah, those are the ones that are really weird to me. I mean, come on. If you're missing somebody and there's a Jane or John Doe, wouldn't you look on that site? Because I know I have. On I've the Doe Network? On the Jane and John Doe Network? I've looked for years. i looked just in case maybe I might have, you know, I always second-guess myself, you know, could that be yeah. her? No, that's not her. And, you know, it's like, come on got to be somewhere she's not here. Yeah. So Now, she um, had a slight my, learning disability and several scars, correct? Right. She had a little scar on her chin. We used to roller skate with the keys on her skates. You know, we have her shoes on. We put the little metal things. And she fell. She had a scar on her knee. And she had a scar on her chin from that. Um, she had an apodectomy scar from having appendicitis. Um you know, she appeared taller than she was. She had a long back. She had a beautiful head of hair. Um, she's just a clean kid. Nice kid, could sing. She she wanted to be a police officer when she grew up. Dad frowned upon that. He thought that was a man's job. <laughs> you know? And uh, from his experience, you know, old-fashioned. Um, and from his experience in Chicago, after what he saw the cops go through up there with all the riots going on and, you know, he didn't want any of his kids to go out there and, and risk their lives. And he thought that yeah. that took a certain type of a person. And April, you know, she was a sweet kid. Now, me, on the other hand, I wouldn't last one day on the force. 
um, sorry, chewing. <laughs> yeah, I figured you were eating your food. I'm sorry. Was it that no, obvious? okay. As long as you've got teeth, you can eat. <laughs> Rub it in. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, would you talk about the petition that you've set up for the missing? I think this is something important. Well, what's really cool about the petition I have, it's uh, on um, the Care 2 site, petition site, under missing person cold cases in Illinois. And you will see a list there of names. In fact, there's an elderly couple that they were um, very well off that disappeared. They never found them. And they trolled the they trolled the Chicago River looking for their car, the whole nine yards. They never yeah. found them. But you can click on each name and you can hear their story. These are people that never expected to be on that missing persons list. They're from all different walks of life. They're all different ages. Um, you know, and it's like when you're a family that has somebody that's missing, you, you know, the cops can only do so much. And after a while, they have to go on to other cases, whatever. And that's fine and dandy. I understand, especially in this day of age, you know, crime has gone up. But, you know, the thing that gets, um, that gets me about it is, you know, while these people are still missing, where are they? You know, people don't forget that they had a friend named April in eighth grade. People don't forget that, hey, our neighbors next door disappeared. Where are they? You know, it's like whatever happened to them. Mm-hmm. Nobody, after it gets cold, the colder it gets, the longer the, the longer the person's missing, the better chances that they're not alive. And when you see other Absolutely. stories with, yeah, and it, it just, you know, and then when you're a little kid growing up, you learn real quick, you know, you got to accept this. You can't go to concerts. You can't go to sleepovers. It'll, you know, if you leave, your mom will, you know, be worried to death. Well, you don't want to do that to your mom. And I didn't. You know, I stayed home. I didn't care. I had so many toys when I was a kid. You know, they didn't even know I was in the house. I was downstairs all the time playing. It made me happy. You know, but, you know, it doesn't yeah. make up for not having friends. I've heard that, from, I've heard that from many siblings. Thank you, Mama. Ooh. From many siblings of missing people, I've heard that their parents get paranoid about where they're going, and it changes their lives forever. Oh, it, it was, it, you know, and I can understand, you know, where they're coming from, you know, and it's like they moved out there so, you know, my brother and sisters could grow up in a decent neighborhood, meet decent, fine people, and act, and not have to worry about every time they went out the door, you know, are they going to come back? You know, are there going to be gang riots? Is something going to happen? Because that is what was going on in Roseland. It was bad, you know. And my dad worked nights, so therefore, you know, my mom was in that house with us, you know. Yeah. So I picture that, you know, and every night you heard sirens up and down the street of State Street, you know. That's where we live. And, you know, that that is very unsettling for a parent. Yeah. And certainly for a father who can't protect his family because he's not there at night. Absolutely. And, like, with the petition I got going, what I'm trying to do is get enough signatures on it. I want to bring it in front of the um, General Assembly of Illinois. And I want to wake them up. Here's an eye-opener. This can happen to anybody, anyone. I mean, Helen Brock, she disappeared the same month, same year as my sister. She was a candy heiress. 
they never found her. They're taking the word of somebody, you know, that was a, you know, he's I think he's on death row, but uh, that was close to the situation. And what did he say? They threw her in a, in, in a furnace, in a steel mill, because she overheard something that they didn't want her to, you know, expose. You know, and that's scary. That woman was a very powerful woman. You know, so yeah. you can get a, and a, a police deputy like my, is. <clears throat> pardon me. No, I was going to ask you. You were talking about prominent people that disappeared. A female sheriff's deputy disappeared. Was she someone who worked on your sister's case or Nancy's case? No, 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 no. Um, this was. Uh, we're from Frankfort, which is in Will County. Will County is located in Joliet, Illinois. Uh, there's a Will County courthouse. That's where Mr. Drew. Uh, got put where he needed to go through Jim Glasgow, the state's attorney. Um, Robin Abrams was a deputy for Will County, and they believe that another deputy that she was kind of romantically involved with had something to do with this, Ah. you know, with her disappearing. And they got a feeling it was him, and they're not doing anything about it. He no longer works there, but it's like, you know, you know who did it bring him in for questioning, or talk to people he knows. Because I guarantee you, somewhere down the line, any in any case, somebody slipped up somewhere. Somebody saw something, and maybe not even realized they saw it until it jogs their memory. But in any case, this is a young lady who took a vow and an oath to protect and serve, but in the same aspect, who's protecting and serving her? You see what I'm saying? It's like, give her the same respect yeah. she gave to that badge. Where is she? Why is her family going through what I'm going through? So once <laughs> I, I get this petition, you know, signed, and I take it down to the General Assembly, which I plan on doing, and it's going to be addressed to the Attorney General, Lisa Madigan of Illinois, Governor Rauner, who has his hands full. He just became governor. Congratulations to him, I think. <laughs> Poor guy. Um you know, and I'm going to, you know, send it off to Congressman um, or Senator Kirk down there. These people are paid elected officials who are paid and elected to hold an office to take care of their citizens of Illinois. Lisa Madigan has a big job because she is in charge of all law enforcement, and she's also in charge of that law enforcement protecting and serving the community. Her ta- our tax money in Illinois... Pays their pays their um, paychecks. That's that's their jobs. Mm-hmm. Any officer I knew usually put that badge on. He's putting his life in the hands of God. Basically, he doesn't know every day when he puts his outfit on and he goes to work. Am I going to come home tonight? That's a whole nope. list. But he's doing it. Yeah, called being you know, brave. Yeah, talk about being brave. That Holding a badge, you know, wearing that and, you know, wearing a gun on your side, that's great. But you know what? You, you never know what you're going to walk into in any situation in any town. You just don't know. And every day they have to do that. But when you got Fruit Loops like, you know, Mr. Peterson running around, you know, then you're starting to think, well, who do you trust? Because if they're not doing anything about him and he got away with this for as long as he did between two wives and you got all these other people missing, what are my chances of anybody finding my sister April? Slim and none. You know, and it's kind of heartbreaking. Yeah, you wanted to talk about, um, you told me off air, that you wanted to to talk about how you got 
your sister listed in the national database and name us? Can you well, and how a family does that? Can you explain that to any listener well, who have someone missing? Well, if you have somebody missing uh, immediately, if you know that they're not doing their pattern, call your local police department. Usually they'll make you wait, you know, 48 to 72 hours, whatever it is. It varies in different states, whatever. Do it. Not if they're under 12. Contact your friends. Contact their friends. Do whatever you got to do. But when you when you know that they're not coming back, you put it on your local news. You put it on the, the big news, news uh, channels. You go to the newspaper. You go to the national database for missing and exploited children, and, you know, they will help you from there. That is one of the greatest things that they have is, um, you know, a national database where they're, con- they're taking care of everybody's case, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they take care of the Jane Doe's. They take care of the John Doe's. They put their records on file and their DNA on file. So that's when right. you put your DNA in. Boom. If it's a match, there you go. You found your loved one. You know? Right. That's but in the same aspect, um, let's say they didn't disappear. Let's say somebody could grab them and they're still alive. Um, they have the posters out there. They also have the flyers that a lot of people get in the mail. Have you seen us? Have you seen me? Yep. You know? And, you know, for a long time, you know, they didn't have any of that. Uh, when my mom started looking for her, she put her on child find. And like I said, Frankfurt was a tight-knit community back in the day. Police officers would drive by. They'd pull in the driveway, see how my parents were doing, letting them know, hey, we're here. We know you're, you're still worrying, and we want you to know we're here for you. We are looking. We want you to know we're on it. And they were, but they didn't have computers to race, you know, all across country. They didn't have all the technology that they had, but that's all they could offer, and that was pretty awesome, you know? Yeah. Um um, yeah, so it was. Find. It was really cool. Child Find, was that local? Because this was way before no, child the find was, I think Child Find was based out of um, Connecticut or South Carolina. I can't remember, South Carolina. I was a little kid. And this is a story I'll share with everybody. My mom found out through this lady named Dorothy Ellison that what she had to do was, um, you know, contact your local police department and declare my sister missing. My mom figured, well, they already knew. But not, she didn't do it, you know, declared her missing, you know, positively, you know, on file. And she had to go up there and do that. Um, they got that done, and they, I guess they discussed it with whatever our officer handled it back then, and they put April on a poster, and she was on milk cartons the whole nine yards. Um, and this is a story that happened to me a long time ago. Um, I got to go to a Catholic school my last year of grade school. It was the first time that this didn't follow me. It was the first time that people could meet me and see who I was and not ask me, oh, you know, are you so-and-so's sister and whatever. And it was pretty cool because everybody was really nice to me. Well, one of the girls that lived, you know, in the next town over, she said, could you come over this weekend? I got something to show you. And I said, yeah, sure. So I came over to visit, and she was a really good friend of mine. And this bothered me for years. Um, she took me over to local White Hen, and there's the poster. And said, is that your sister? And I said, no. And I said no because I didn't want everybody at my new school to know that this was my sister and she was missing. I didn't want this to follow me. 
I said, you know what, it's probably a different vein, you know. She was, well, that's not a real common name. I, this is the first time I heard it was when I met you. I said, well, it is common, like Jones and Smith. Who was I fooling? So the girl obviously didn't, she didn't persist any further. I said, you know what, I'm going to take this home. Maybe it might be one of my cousins. Thanks for showing it to me. I took it down because I didn't want anybody else that knew me to know this. I didn't want it to follow me. And I know that sounds selfish, and, you know, it really it has hurt my conscience since I did that. I was 14 years old when this happened. Well, I went home. I handed my mom the poster. I still have it. And I said, you know what, it's following me again. And I walked away. You know, and I shouldn't have been that, that crude. But, you know, it's like when you're a teenage kid, and you see everybody else going to concerts, and you see everybody else going to the malls with no problem. You see other other people doing things that you're not allowed to do. You get a little resentful after a while, you know, because mm. it's like you didn't do nothing wrong. And, you know, you try to be, um, you try to care, and you try to be understanding. But after a while, like I said, you're a teenager, you want to go do things other people are doing. <laughs> well, all those years later, I never forgot I did that. And I was, what, 18 years old, and I kept looking. I looked for her. I, you know, talked to a few of my close friends about it um, to no avail. And after I had my first son, um, you know, I, I started really appreciating the fact of what being a mom was. You know, you bring a life into the world. You couldn't imagine somebody taking it away and grabbing it away from you. you that's just, you know, how did my mom do it, you know? So I had John Whiteside from the Juliet Herald. He was a columnist then, um, do an article on April because I we had read one he wrote. Left. What? We have 10 seconds left. <laughs> oh, well, at any rate, um, I had John Whiteside write an article, and, um, you know, sure enough, you know, nothing came out came from it, but it was out there. You know, and yeah. you know, ever since then, very last thing. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we're like really running out of time. The very last thing, and people are going to have to listen archived to hear the rest of it. Um, is you said you have a suspect um, w- without naming names. Um, I've had my eye on a relative the whole time. That is just as close to this case as I am and has not lifted a finger. And I'm and looking. to cooperate with police for Absolutely interviews not. or anything. Nope. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I'm sorry to cut you off, but we have run out of time. <laughs> um, I knew you'd be an easy guest. Huh. Uh, well, just some of my guests... GoFundMe page, huh? Huh? Don't forget to mention GoFundMe. I do have a GoFundMe page for April for a reward for the capture of the person that did this. Yes, sorry about that. Um, That's okay. As I was going to say, yeah, some of my guests don't talk as much. So this was this was a lot of fun. I just figured I'd give you what you wanted, lady. (laughs) (laughs) And I appreciate you putting it out there because this happens everywhere. Thank you. Yes, it does. And back then, you had to wait 72 hours before you could report it missing. Absolutely. And it was years before the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which came out of the Adam Walsh Foundation, by the way. Absolutely. Um, so thank you for joining me. Thank you all for listening. 
for those of you in my area, stay safe and stay in tonight and tomorrow as we deal with another blizzard. Yippee. Not. <laughs> Good night, Sharon Rose. Good night, everyone. Good night, and thank you again. Thank you for listening. Thank you for chatting with me. Oh, absolutely. Goodbye and God bless all. <laughs>